0: Triumph. Turn to somebody and tell them, this is my ear. Hallelujah. Tell them again, say, this is my ear. And I want to go back to the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. This is from the ESV, it reads, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. What does this tell us? He always leads us in triumph. How often? How often can you expect the triumph in the Lord? Every single time. He always leads us in triumph. Triumph means that we are to gain the mastery and victory after any serious conflict, battle, or test. tells us that we can't gain the mastery and the victory unless we've been in some kind of a test or contest. Look at somebody and say, that qualifies you. Yes, it does. The Bible tells us that knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. You know there's a conqueror and then there's more than a conqueror and that's what you and I are today. We're more than conquerors through the one that loves us. So I like to think about it this way, the way it's been in my heart this year, God has set you up for overwhelming victory, putting victory and triumph on display. In other words, put you up there as a poster child to show the world what God can do if you will not turn away from Him, if you'll stick with Him, if you'll serve Him. Hallelujah. We're in a a good day. We're in the day where God has chosen to bestow His grace and mercy, favor, and glory uh, on us as a people like never before. So you should have your expectation out there. Let me see your hand if you're willing to be a poster child for the victory of God. Let Him do what He wants to do in your life. I believe there's a special anointing on the people of God this year for this very thing called triumph, to become triumphant in every little situation in your life. Look at this verse with me, if you would, in Hebrews, for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 9. It's a wonderful thing to read all of chapter 9, all the chapter 8, to understand that you and I are covenant people because of God's grace. You and I were strangers to the covenants of promise. Without God, without hope in this world, Paul told the the people of God. But you and I, because of Jesus, have now been brought near. We are now people who inherit these promises. We are now covenant people through what God has established through His Son and Himself. And you and I are the benefactors of it. Look at somebody and tell them, that took blood to do. Now watch this. It says in chapter 9... Verse 15, for this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. Shout that out three times, new covenant. new covenant. New covenant, new covenant, Okay, that was pretty pathetic. Let's try this just one more time in unison. Ready, one, two, three, new yeah. covenant. Okay, praise the Lord. <laughs> Let me all give you a tip. Do not sign up for the, for the cheer club, amen, just hallelujah. New Covenant, sacred and irrevocable promise of God established through the shedding of blood and not the blood of some person who is under sin, not the blood of some animal, but the blood of the sinless and spotless Lamb of God. That's what He's done for us. And it says that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that He has died as a ransom to set them free from sins committed under the first covenant. You and I live under a wonderful covenant of God. Me, you just try this one more time. You and I live under a wonderful, marvelous covenant of God. Um, It was God's idea. The law was never intended to be your pathway into the things of God. The law was a schoolmaster actually showing us what was wrong until Jesus be revealed to actually pay the price. that would not only atone for our sin, covered as the blood of animals did on the Old Testament sacrificial system, but literally obliterate the sin. You and I have been given great things because of this covenant. And now I want you to understand something, that if it's true, you're truly a child of God, you're a covenant child of God, Then you should start to get really stubborn when this world or religion tells you you can't have what the word says you can have. You should just bow up and become belligerent to that spirit that says you can't have these things. You don't get your cue from from someone in the world. You don't get your cue from someone in religion. You get it from what that word actually says. If you look at your Bible, it will say Old Testament and what? New Testament. These words are actually reflective of covenant language. In other words, our covenant rights and privileges and responsibilities are right here in this book. This book is a manual for life, but it's more than that. It's a revelation of God's heart and will for His people. It's established, it is fixed, and this covenant is eternal. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what? His word and His covenant language will never pass away. Now, why is this important? Well, Right now in our history as a nation we have the ability to look at something as in terms of an analogy and understand how this would work in your life spiritually. Our country, we live as a people under a covenant as well. It's called the United States Constitution. And that is a covenant between its government and its people. So it would be the government and its people. And at the outset, they were wise, the founders of this nation, to establish what we would call the Bill of Rights. These are fundamental, these are, you know, extended to all those that live under that flag, all those that are citizens of this nation. And they include things like the right to assembly. How many of y'all are here today? Let me see your hands get. How many of y'all are here today? You're here under that banner. And if you don't think that's a big deal right now, go to places in Nigeria, go to places in China, and you'll find out that it's a big deal to have the right of assembly. We also have freedom of religion. The Constitution is not there to protect the state from us. It's to protect what? Us from them. And that's why it is there. We have the right to bear arms. I know you have politicians that will say that you don't need a large magazine to hunt an animal. But the founders never thought the deer were going to rise up and attack us. The founders thought its government would turn on its people. And in their wisdom, they said, a well-regulated militia, the right to bear arms shall not be what? Infringed upon. And guess what? It's being infringed upon little by little trying to erode a covenant right. The right to assemble, the right to bear arms, the right to worship as we we desire in our understanding of God and what he expects. Those rights, literally many of them are being eroded and it's about time you understood that as a covenant child of this nation, there is a way to change an amendment. It's not saying by fiat you don't like this. Are you here today? In fact, if you want to do this, all you have to do is to get two-thirds of Congress to propose an amendment to go into a period of not only having to propose the amendment, but having it ratified. Or you can have literally, you know, the states involved. Asking for a constitutional convention, two thirds of them. Then it goes to the states for three fourths of them supporting that, either by their legislature or by a special convention of the states. Aren't you glad you came today and got a civics lesson? It's probably more important that we do because most people don't have a clue anymore about their nation. They're too busy taking gender studies. Moving right along. Let me help you out with gender studies. There's male, there's female. End of gender studies. Now somebody that went and got into $150,000 debt to get that degree, I feel sorry for you because I could have fixed it free this morning. Amen. You would have been. So if you want to change an amendment, if you want to do away with our freedoms, there's a way to do it. And I encourage you as a citizen to start raising your voice up and saying, wait a minute, this is our covenant, and you're not going to do this by fiat. You're not going to do this by political ad. If you want to do it, do it the right way. If you can get the American people to support it, then so be it. But as it is right now, these are our covenant rights as a nation, and we shouldn't bend. I said we shouldn't bend. Before Dr. King was assassinated, he spoke of the fact that the Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation is not what's going to set a person free. It's not what Kennedy or what Johnson did in terms of civil rights that would set a man free. He said if the black man wants to be free, he's going to have to reach on down into the inside of his own soul and proclaim himself free. In other words, a document doesn't mean anything if the person does not actively receive it and stand for it. And that same spirit of ambivalence, that same apathy that many have towards the fact that our Constitution is being trampled upon even as we sit here, they have the same mentality when it comes to the things of God. And can I tell you something? You might be able to amend the U.S. Constitution but you cannot amend this. Amen. I don't care how many votes you get. It doesn't make any difference what a political party says. It doesn't make any difference what a campaign ad says. It doesn't make any, any difference how many people say this word is not binding, is not you know, true, is not for us today. It cannot be amended. Not by any majority. Not by any gathering. If everyone votes against the word, it still stands. And our job is to look at this as also covenant language, that we live under a covenant benefited by the covenant established between Jesus and his Father through his blood and not be talked out of these things or lose them to ignorance. My people, the Bible says, are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Turn to somebody and say, that's not me. Come on, tell them that's not me. So here we are. This should give us boldness. What are you saying? I'm saying this is our Constitution. One that cannot be changed. One that cannot be set aside. One that cannot be amended. This ought to make us bold and stand up for not only our constitutional rights, but stand up for our biblical rights. Go to Isaiah 53 for a moment. Turn to somebody and tell them, i got a great covenant. It's sacred. Irrevocable. On Isaiah 53, verse 1, when you read this, let the Lord talk to you, let the Spirit of God quicken this to your heart that He has paid such a high price for you and I to have what we have. Yes. Who has believed our message? Verse 1, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by a men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. That verse means man thought that he deserved it for blaspheming God. But that's not at all what happened. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought him peace, brought us peace, was upon him. And by his wounds, we're what? We are are what? We We are healed. Now, through that action, through the establishment of covenant, you and I have great and precious promises. Not only do we have this idea that He leads us in triumph, the scripture here tells us that we have the right to triumph. Come on, shout it out. I have the right to triumph in God. Amen. The story is told of when Stanley Livingston uh, investigated for the cause of God's greater good and his mission and his heart, the continent of Africa. They had no success, had no way to connect, no way to have the authority to move freely through that continent. And uh, this man had a, a favorite goat, and that's all he had. He had a problem with his stomach, and he had this goat so he could drink the milk and it would settle the stomach down. And so an individual told him in that dark continent that if you're going to get anywhere, you're going to have to establish a blood covenant in this nation. And so this, this high chieftain, you know, uh, part of the establishing of a covenant is the giving of a gift and the blood covenant being established, but a big part of it was the giving of the gift. And guess what that, guess what that chieftain wanted? He wanted the goat. And guess what the chieftain wanted to give him? A stick. I'll take the goat, you get the stick. And that's what he was thinking in his mind. I give him the goat and he gives me a stick. He was later to find out that that stick that was wrapped in copper at the top and had a, a spear's edge on the edge of it was representative of the authority and the dominion of that person. And wherever he went, people bowed down to that particular stick. Can I tell you something today? The devil will bow down to the stick that you hold as well if you learn how to raise that up. Amen? Amen. Look at somebody and say, you have, you have more than a goat. This is the power of covenant. These rights are established in blood. Yes, our nation's had fighting. Yes, we've had you know, a war against the, the British to establish this nation. Yes, there's the War of 1812. Yes, there is a Civil War. Yes, there's blood been shed. But what Jesus did for us surpasses all of that combined and it will still be the greatest action to put a person in position for triumph and victory that will ever be done on this earth. Amen. Amen. But if we don't know, if we don't understand what is ours, if we don't realize that these things are supposed to be permanent and perpetual, they're supposed to be for every person, then we allow somebody to talk us out of these things. Now, practically, how does that happen? All we have to do is not talk about these things and they'll die out in a generation or two. All we have to do is forget about it. All we got to do is just say, well, it's about going to heaven and getting saved and the rest will just suffer like the world to put up with everything. No, God, the same blood that got you forgiven is the same blood that will get you healed. Do you see this today? We're not supposed to Be untaught. We're not supposed to be ignorant of these things. And you and I need to realize that if we would not let somebody take away our right to bear arms or our right to freedom of assembly, we should not let anybody take away our rights that are prescribed in Scripture. Come on, say it with me. I've had my last apathetic day I'm ever going to have. Say it, I have rights. This last song as we worship God, Psalm 145, verse 13, the Lord is faithful to all of his promises. He's faithful to what? To all his promises. you believe that today? Come on and say it. He is faithful to all his promises. How many of them? How many of them? All of them. So let me just uh, talk to you today. We'll see uh, how far we get with this, but the covenant rights of the Christian. Rights that are yours because of what Jesus did. Amen. Write this one down first of all. The rights of the redeemed. There are rights because you have been redeemed. Praise God. Go over to Galatians for a moment. Thank you, Father. The rights of who? The redeemed. Folks of mine say, I'm one of those. Just by by way of starters today, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And Get this, mark this, highlight this. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I have some good news for you. You've been redeemed today. Now, if you have been redeemed, if you have been bought back, if you have been ransomed, which is what this means, from darkness and from death and from the enemy, then you and I have rights now. Now, how you understand with the price that was paid, you and I shouldn't let anything be talked out of us? Do you see this? Go to Psalm 103 for a moment. It'll help you to always remember, and if you can't, just write it there in your Bible that what Psalm 103 is, is a covenant list of benefits. Um, your rights as a child of God. Psalm 103, verse 1 Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all his inmost being, praise his holy name. Now, notice it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Let me know that Jesus has to be your Lord, or this isn't going to work for you. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all His benefits. How many should you forget? None. Have you ever been to a uh, grocery store? <laughs> now you think you know where I'm going, don't you? Huh? Well, maybe I am. (laughs) Have you ever been to a grocery store and you bought everything and it was bagged up? I won't even pick on Walmart today. (laughs) When you went to the Piggly Wiggly or Kroger or Stories, hallelujah, you got everything bagged up Went home, only discover you didn't forget it. You already bought it. But it's not in your bag. And you look in your car, it didn't roll under the seat. And it's not on your counter. Something that you had already bought or transacted is not in your possession. Now I'm going to ask you a hypothetical. How many of you went back and got it? I see that hand. I see that hand. Come on. We first started over in Hopkinsville pastoring. Kelly came home from the store. I don't remember where she used to shop over there. And uh, she had something in there she didn't buy. A six-pack of Bud Light. Really, I hadn't been pastoring enough to ask her to buy that for me, so. (laughs) Are you here today? But honestly, how many of you wouldn't mind going back to get what you already bought? You know, that's what the Holy Ghost is saying to you today. It's time for you to go back into your covenant and get what you don't have that's already been purchased. Grab it, amen. Amen. I tell you, it's more important than the chicken that wasn't in the bag, or the drinks that weren't in the bag, or whatever it was you bought you thought was so valuable. Listen, we're talking about covenant benefits purchased with blood. Look, turn to somebody and tell them go back to the store and get it all, amen. 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 Some of y'all are wanting to know what Kelly did with that Bud Light. Well, (laughs) I'll let you ask. Praise the Lord. Forget not all. A-double-L spells what? All. All. So if there is any benefit attached to the redeemed, any right, you should lay hold of that with all of your heart. And we, we do this. We say yes and amen when it says, who forgives all your sins. Does He actually forgive you when you repent? Do you believe that He has forgiven you because you turn to Him? Scripture says if we sin, what? He's faithful and just if we will confess our sins, and He'll cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that actually happens? Let me ask you this. Raise your hand if you ever had to go to heaven and ask for forgiveness. Let me give you a tip. Every hand should be in the building (laughs) raised. Or we should just shut it down right now and have an altar call just for you. <laughs> even, even people who aren't walking with God, even been born again, you know, will find themselves asking forgiveness by virtue of the nature and recognition that the very nature of things tells us that God exists and that we're out of line. But as a believer, we go to him. And it's no longer just, I hope he does. I hope and in a praying he does. Well, you know, this person got forgiven, but that one didn't get forgiven. This one got forgiven, but this one over here didn't get forgiven. No, we hold fast to the truth. And if you do what the Bible says, guess what? Not pretend, not maybe, not might be, but he does in fact forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what that is? That is a covenant right. That is the right of the redeemed to be forgiven. But watch how fast our theology changes when we get to the second part. And he heals all your diseases. There are too many of us leaving our healing at the grocery store. There are too many of us not getting real serious about this and saying, you know what, a price has been paid, now I'm going to press on and I'm going to believe God and I will have what he died to give me. So, well, Brother Art, everybody will be healed when they die. Does everybody have to wait till they die to get forgiven? Huh? This is a mind-renewing issue. This is a faith-cometh-by-hearing issue. It is the right of the redeemed to be healed. And that doesn't mean that those of us with anything physical going on in our bodies should walk around in condemnation. That's not the point. The point is to realize it's available. Keep pressing in. Most of you already know what, it, what it's like to have been healed of something already. God didn't run out of healing. I say He hadn't run out of healing. The cornerstone of Jesus' ministry, he went around preaching and teaching and healing. The scripture says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and how he went around doing what? Healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. He bore our sicknesses and carried our infirmities and by his stripes what? We were healed. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. Don't relegate healing to a category different from forgiveness. Press in. Now don't give up because there's looks like a delay or something's not happening. You press on and believe God. Continue to believe, continue to receive, continue to say what the Scripture says about you because it is, in fact, the right of the redeemed to be healed. Hallelujah. He says, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. How many? Well, if he can forgive all your sins, then he can do what? Heal all your diseases. Well, you know, if I don't have a disease, how am I supposed to die? Do you see how we've trained ourselves? I have to have a disease to die. No, you don't. There's no record of Moses being afflicted when he stepped over to the other side. Do you see how this works? Why does he do this? you know, Why would he heal Because he's got plans for you. Amen. And those who dare to even believe that these benefits are here for us now, if we don't keep feeding on them and preaching them and teaching them, they'll also go by the wayside. And it will get dark real fast. So I encourage you, just like you would go back and get your forgiveness, go back to the store and get your healing. Amen? Look at somebody and tell them, go back. Go back. And go back again. And go back again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What do I believe when it comes to somebody being ill or sick? I I believe in throwing everything you can at it. Hallelujah. Why would you get that aggressive? Because you believe deep down it's God's will for you to be well. Amen. Say it, I believe it. He goes on to say, who redeems your life from the pit, crowns crowns you with love and compassion, satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Look at somebody and say, you're looking younger all the time. More vibrant all the time. More healed all the time. Hallelujah. So that your youth is what? Renewed. And the first place to start is renewed in the attitude of your mind, renewed in that spirit, renewed on the inside so you can believe there's more than just this. Amen? We've all had testimonies of this, but what God is saying is these are not just good ideas, and these are not just things for certain people. These are the rights of the redeemed. You read on in scriptures that tell us that not only have we been redeemed from the curse, the power to fail, we have had the blessing restored to us, the power to succeed. You now have, through Christ, the power to actually excel In this life, you mean God will actually empower me to succeed in whatever I put my hand to? That's exactly what Scripture says. It's the right of the redeemed that it would go well from you. God's not promising you a utopia or you live in a bubble, but He is telling you that at the end of the day, when everything is settled, you're going to come out a winner in Jesus' name. You're coming out on this side, the victorious side of everything. And part of it is the old dog theology that snuck into our hearts and lives through years. We sang songs like, Just a few more days. Just what? Just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. Now raise your hand if you ever heard that or sang that. Now you sing that enough and you're no longer walking around like the redeemed. You're walking around like the weary. And you look weary. And you talk weary. And you think weary. And you function weary. Your testimony is weary. (laughs) Unfortunately, that's not what Scripture says. I remember as a college student, the song leaders changing that lyric. And I'm glad they did. Because this may come as a shock to you, we didn't sing that song in the Lutheran church. (laughs) We just didn't. We sang Luther. A mighty fortress is our God. Which, incidentally, sounds a whole lot more encouraging than just a few more weary days. (laughs) With every foundation you've got, you're going to have some good things and some not so good things. And that's one of the good things. Hallelujah. Amen. Just a few more happy days. How about just a few more blessed days? How about a few more victorious days? Amen. How about a few more winning days? Come on, sing it with me. Just a few more happy days in then. You sound worse than I do. I don't mind the "all flying away thing, but flying away in defeat? (laughs) Flying away like you lost your best friend? Flying away when everything is horrible and terrible? Another song they used to sing, thank God we never did, I'm coming up the rough side of the mountain. God help us. We're coming up the right side of the mountain and going down singing just a few more weary days and then I'll fly away. And we wonder why we can't impact the world that we live in. They don't want to be like the sourpusses that are weary. Hallelujah. When all the time there's this scripture in Mark 11 that says to speak. i tell you the truth, if anybody says, I came up on the rough side of the mountain, then you have. Where does this stuff come from? It comes from the heart. It comes from, that's what the mind is renewed. Hallelujah. But if you look at the people of God, they're not coming in on the heels of weariness and defeat and destruction. They're coming in victorious, more than conquerors. Hallelujah. They have rights of the redeemed. Hallelujah. To be forgiven, to be healed, to be restored, to be delivered, to be protected, to be free from sin. God, through his redemption, has removed condemnation from you. There is no condemnation now to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after flesh, but after what? The Spirit. There is no more condemnation. Scripture tells us there is no more control. It is the right of the redeemed to be free from the control of sin. Which means you don't have to do something. It means you choose to do something now. Before Christ, everything pushed you to do it. But now, everything is pushing you the other way. That's what He did for you. Hallelujah. He's redeemed you from the control of sin. He's redeemed you from the consequences of sin. Why would we go out weary when we're not going to hell? I could understand if you're on your way to hell. But you're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Hell has been taken care of for you. There's only one destination for the child of God today. And it is heaven. On your worst day, you should still be filled with joy. Because when it's all wrapped up, that's where you're going. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Paul, and Timothy, and Peter, and most of all, Jesus. Just a few more weary days and then. It matters what you're listening to. Hallelujah. We are the redeemed, and therefore we have rights. And He not only delivers us from the consequences of sin, we're not going to hell, somebody already paid the price for us, He also removes the consciousness of sin, so that all day long you're not walking around thinking of yourself as a horrible, terrible sinner, but you start to think of yourself as what the Bible says, the righteousness of God in Christ. The redeemed have a right to receive and walk in His righteousness. Hallelujah. You may have walked in here weary, but you're not going out weary in Jesus' name. That's right. I come to pump you up. You're going to walk out of here victorious today. You're not to come in church and be beat down and told what a lousy person you are. You can't do this and you can't do that and you're horrible about this and horrible about that. What's the point of going to church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You walked in here like the air was lit out of your air mattress on a camping trip. <laughs> but we're going to pump you back up again and encourage you to walk out of here in victory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go through tough times, yes, but don't start making up songs about it. Tim and I have had many conversations about today's contemporary music. You know, much of it's more defeatist than the world is offering. When Brother Hagin was on this earth, he said, I'd rather listen to somebody clanging in a garbage can than a lot of that stuff. It was more edifying. (laughs) Honestly, how many of you would raise your voice if the government said tomorrow you no longer have the right to bear arms? This is Kentucky, matter of fact. Yeah, you would. But much of the church is silent when the devil tries to strip them of one of their redeemed rights. Fight back. You have more authority than the U.S. Constitution. You have here a document that cannot be revoked, cannot be amended, cannot be set aside. And the more time you spend in it, the greater your faith is. Why, 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 why would you resist? Why would you oppose if the government said no longer you can't come to church, you can't worship as you want to?" If they tried to sanitize our nation of faith as they've done with socialist and communist systems before? Let me warn you, if you somehow think that it's fascinating to have people pushing socialism in this nation, you have to understand what comes next. What do Pol Pot, Hitler, Mao and Stalin all have in common? Everyone disarmed its people before they murdered them by the millions. This is not a minor issue, it's not a minor detail. It's important for you to understand this. But if they began to do that, you would not just sit back and say, you know, that's not really for me, I guess it's not God's will, I guess it's not really what's in the Constitution, no. You know what the Bill of Rights are, and they're deeply implanted in you, because I know what you did. You watched Schoolhouse Rock when you were a kid, you know. (laughs) I'm just a bill. Yes, I'm only a bill, and I'm sitting here on Capitol Hill. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. It's true. Every Saturday morning, I hunker for a hunk of cheese. Yes, I do. <laughs> it is so beat into the consciousness of Americans, freedom to, to, to speak, freedom of assembly, freedom to worship, right to bear arms, you would immediately rise up. Where's that spirit when someone's trying to steal the rights of the redeemed? Where's that stiff-necked stubbornness that says, how dare you take those from me? Amen. Glory to God. I encourage you. And this is just, a smattering of this particular concept here. Because you and I have rights, many of them that are left untapped. Amen? But look at somebody and tell them, no more. No. Hallelujah. I'd love to take this message all the way through the rest of the year. Huh? Well, let me just give you an introduction. Their rights are the redeemed. Come on, say it, I'm taking them. I am taking them. Just like the right to free speech, just like the right to assemble, just like the freedom of religion, just like the right to bear arms, you're taking the rights of the redeemed. Scripture says there are rights of the seeker. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you as well. The Scripture says that those who seek Him find Him, Proverbs 16, 17. Scripture tells us that He rewards those that diligently seek Him. There are rights of the seeker. God, reward, hallelujah. Take Him. There are rights for the tither. There are tither's rights. When you're a tither, you boldly say this. When you're a seeker, you boldly say this. When you're redeemed, you boldly say what God said. I'm seeking, so therefore I'm going to have His reward. I'm going to have God Himself. I'm going to have all these other things that are added to me as well because I'm doing what He told me to do. Tithers' rights. The right to an open heaven. Malachi 3. The right to have God rebuke your devourer. The right to have that open heaven, the right to have God rebuke that devourer, the right to have God make you into a distinction. What does rebuking the devourer mean? It means God stops it. What an amazing right. When something's eating away at your household, eating away at your kids, destroying them by drugs or coming after them with this world or messing up with your stuff or messing up with your faith life or your walk with God, your ministry, whatever it is, he has the ability to rebuke or stop arrest the devourer on your behalf. All because you're a tither. Shout it out, tither's rights. Number four, the rights of the giver. A giver has rights. On top of the tithe, beyond the tithe, the giver, the Bible says, give and it shall be given to you. 2 Corinthians 9 says this, that you will what? You will always have seed. When you're a giver, you'll always have something to give. When you're a giver, you always have something to plant. It also says you'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. That's actually in the Bible, folks. It is a right for the giver. And giving could be giving of your time, giving of your talent, or of your treasure. But there are giver's rights in the Bible. Why be weary? Look at somebody and say, we've got rights. Number five, the right of the doer. James says, be a doer, not a hearer only. In James chapter 1. He says, if you continue to look intently into the law that gives liberty, you will be blessed in what you do. Blessed or empowered or successful in all you do because you're actually being faithful to the life of a doer. Amen. Say it with me doers' rights. Number six, the rights of believers. Mark 11. The right to move mountains, big and stubborn, overwhelming obstacles, difficulties, and challenges. You have a right to see that mountain leave your life. You want to raise your hand if you've ever dealt with a mountain, stubborn, big, intimidating, talks to you as soon as you get up. You have the right to see that thing removed from your life. The Bible says the rights of the faithful. It's a big deal to hang in there when everybody else is quitting. It's a big deal not to turn your back on God no matter what you're going through. All right, you prayed for something that didn't happen. Somebody left this life. Somebody died. Something didn't work out for you. Listen, it's a big deal when you keep on keeping on with God. The Bible tells us the faithful shall abound with blessings. Abound. Scripture says in Psalm 31 23, he preserves the faithful. He preserves the faithful. I like this Psalm 37, 28, he'll not forsake his faithful ones. Is it pay to be faithful? Yes. I could go the rest of the day with category after category of rights for the believers who are dialed into certain things that God says. Amen. We ought to go out of here filled with joy. More than conquerors. I said more than conquerors, just looking for God's hand in the next situation. Say it with me, I have rights because I'm redeemed. I'm a seeker, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm a doer. I'm a believer. I'm faithful. Yes, Amen. Do you believe that today? Oh, well, I just got saved and I go to heaven one day and just you know live in defeat and compromise like everybody else. No, there's something that uh, is on the inside of you, deep, that knows that God has more for you than that. Does He not, Church? Amen.